The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Now, we began a bit of a series last week. Uh, if you missed that, you're going to want to catch it online. Anytime that a series begins, really that beginning has the foundation for it. Uh, it's, it seems funny to me that holiday weekends are normally when those things happen, but it just happens that way. So if you didn't miss last week, uh, you might want to log on the internet, you might want to find it, you might want to do whatever you can to get a hold of that. But we're talking about uh, uh, wisdom, God's given wisdom, his promise to provide wisdom. You know, this, this began because of a conversation that was had at our men's group on Saturday. Uh, and again, that's something you'll see in the bulletin there. If you haven't been a part of that, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, concerning uh, peace cons- as it concerns God's direction and his counsel. And what, what I took away from that was really and truly what we need to know is, is if God's telling us to do stuff. I mean, is God directing me? Is God directing me? Is he leading me? Is he guiding me? Well, last week we laid a foundation with this understanding out of the book of James that if any one of us lacks wisdom, we are all called and all uh, given the opportunity to go to God and ask. And the word promises that he gives generously, that he'll give us wisdom, he'll give us direction, he'll give us counsel. So the question that we have is when that counsel comes into our lives, we need to know and understand if it's counsel from God or if it's counsel from the world or if it's counsel from our friends or if it's counsel from our own uh, heart's desires and ambitions. We need to know who it is that's giving the counsel. So we took a passage of scripture and we introduced it as a bit of a checklist I want to give you that passage of scripture as we get into today's message. James chapter 3, verse 17. We're going to be standing on this passage of scripture and operating out of it for a few weeks here. James chapter 3, verse 17. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to James chapter 3, verse 17. I'm going to read the passage to you, and we'll continue from there. Wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, and without hypocrisy. So as we're seeking wisdom from God, God's giving us this outline, this checklist that identifies and describes what his wisdom will always be. And I want to offer this to you as we move forward today. It's not going to be one of those things on that list. It will always be all of those things on that list. So as you're seeking God for wisdom, as you're seeking him for counsel, as you want to know, should I turn this way? Should I turn that way? Should I do this? Should I do that? Father, I'm praying. Give me direction. Give me counsel. When counsel comes, in order for us to be confident that counsel is from the Lord, you would be able to check off every box on this list. Is it pure? Is it peaceable? Is it gentle? Is it reasonable? Is it full of mercy and good fruits? Is it unwavering? Is it without hypocrisy? If you can check off every single one of those boxes, you're dealing with word or direction from God. Now, as we move forward today, I want to give you some stuff that we're going to find. You can write these down in your notes if you would like. I encourage that. They're things to look forward to. We're going to find out, one, what God's covenant is. I mean, he's made a covenant with us. He's made this agreement, this, this uh, 
this promise in our lives to be our God and us to be his people, but it's got a foundation, a, a description, an identity, and I want to find out what that is. It will help us to understand who God is in our lives and what we're called to receive through this promise that he's made us. Another thing that we're going to find is what we need in order to see God active in our lives. I mean, I need to see God moving in my marriage, and I need to see God moving in my child raising with my children. I need to see God moving in ministry and in and in all the things that he's called me to through Jesus, I need to see God uh, active in, in business and all the things that he's called me to put my hand to uh, to prosper. I need to see God active in every aspect of my living. We're going to find out what's needed in order to see that. And then the third thing that we're going to find is how to be a child of God. How to be a child of God. We're often told in churches and through uh, uh, tracts and, and through evangelism that you know, we pray this prayer and ask God for forgiveness and, and all of a sudden sins are wiped away and congratulations, you're a Christian. But God's given us some direction in his word to identify us and to lead us and guide us into the behavior and the actions and the thoughts and the words of those who are his children. Those who are his children, that's me and that's you. And there's some things we need to see in the scripture that identify how we can be children of God. I want to get into this as we move forward, and I want to evaluate where we were last week. Where we were last week, wisdom from above is first pure. Last week we talked about when God brings word and direction into our lives, it will be pure. It will be holy because God is holy. He's unchanging, and every word that he speaks is holy. I don't want to re-preach last week's message. I want you to go, and I want you to find it if you were not here for it, and I'd like for you to hear it. But it's a priority. Holiness is a priority in everything that God does. When I read this and I see this checklist, I think it makes sense to me, it makes perfect sense that the first thing on the list in God's wisdom coming into my life is going to be holiness. You can find out more about why it's a priority if you can go back to last week's message. Wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. Now that's what I want to talk about today. As we're seeking God for counsel and as we're seeking Him for direction, we know that it, first of all, it's going to be holy. That's a priority. And then second, it's going to be peaceable. I want to talk about that for a moment. I mean, when I read that passage of scripture, I get real excited, first of all, because I love to think about God leading me and guiding me and directing me. It brings a tremendous amount of security. It brings a lot of stability into my life. To know and to understand that God and all of his sovereignty and power and authority, all of his rule and all of his reign would give me direction and counsel out of his love for me. But when I get to this point, my brain kind of hits the brakes a little bit. Because it's a word that I don't really use a lot. And so it makes me pause and stop and think, well, that's funny. I think I know what that means, but I wonder if I really do. I mean, the idea that wisdom from above would first be pure really doesn't create that hang-up. But then I get to peaceable. I can't tell you the last time I used the word peaceable in a conversation. Now, I mean, peaceful, use that. You sit on the front porch and you watch the sunset and you think, wow, this is really peaceful. But I want us to make a note that it doesn't say that wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, but it says, wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. Now, there's a big difference here. 
I want to maybe look at the difference. Let's look at a couple of things as far as definitions are concerned. I mean, peaceful. If you go to the dictionary and you just look up the word peaceful, this is a definition that, that you should find there. Peaceful. Free from war, strife, commotion, a state of harmony between people or groups, especially in personal relations. Peaceful. Now here's peaceable. Peaceable. To help or encourage peace to exist or flourish in a given situation or circumstance. To have peace as a goal. Now that one to me makes a lot more sense because oftentimes when I'm seeking a word from God, when I'm seeking directions, I don't know that the things that he's called me to do have always been peaceful. But I do know that the things that he's called me to do have always been peaceable. I mean, let me give you an example. This is a recent example, and it's a bit of a confession. I had a situation where I had a deep conviction. I had done something, and I had a conviction that the thing that I'd done was not right. I had a choice. I was at a crossroads. I could either just, you know, understand that, well, you know, I'm, I'm a good guy, and it's one thing, and it's really not that big a deal. So, you know, let's just kind of move on. We won't do it again. How's that? That's, that's where we'll, we'll put this. We just won't do it again. And all those thoughts went through my mind, and all of a sudden I realized, you know what, that's the beginning. That's the compromise that starts a really nasty change. Where all of a sudden things that, that should bother you don't bother you so much. And all of a sudden things that, that should convict you don't convict you so much. And that's a real slippery slope. So I, I think what I need to do is seek God and how I need to handle this. And, and you know, let's find out what, what God would say about it. And so in seeking God for direction on it, hoping that he would say like, well, son, you're really kind of a good guy and... And, you know, like you said earlier, just, just don't do it again and you'll be okay. Instead, the, the direction he gave, the wisdom from above, which started as holy and then revealed that it was peaceable, said, well, you need to go to that person and you need to tell them exactly what you did. That wasn't a peaceful moment. I mean, I knew it's like, but that's going to make them mad. And it's going to be embarrassing to me. And it's going to be a difficult situation. And it could turn into a, a real serious conflict. Are you sure? Are you sure that that's what you want me to do? Are you sure that that's what you would direct me? That, I don't know if that's wisdom from above. Because it sounds to me like that could take something that's really not that big a deal. And it could make it pretty nasty. See, there's nothing peaceful about it, but yet it was peaceable. It was going to bring the ability for peace to exist. And when we put light on situations, when we refuse to allow shadow to exist, when no matter how hard it is, it opens up the door for true peace to exist. I mean, Jesus talked about peace, and he talked about the peace that he brings into our lives, that he's willing to give it. And he made it very clear that it's not how the world gives it. I mean, the world gives peace through compromise. You know, you'll watch CNN or Fox News or, or NBCSY or whatever network you might be tuning into, and you turn on the news there and you'll see people all dressed up, you know, and shaking hands, and, well, they're signing treaties, and basically what their peace treaty is is a compromise. Well, we'll come to an agreement that you won't do that and I won't do this. I don't like it. It's not what I wanted, but it's close enough, so let's, let's just call it peace. I mean, the world gives peace through compromise, but Jesus gives peace through transformation and change. 
And the peace that God was calling into that situation in my life as wisdom from above was prevailing wasn't one that was going to be compromised. Well, we just won't do it again, you know. And you, I learned my lesson. No need to, to talk about it. No need to have any kind of conflict over it. I just won't do it again. That would have been as the world gives. It would have been a bit of a compromise. And that peace would have been fragile. It would have been, it would have been false, empty, a facade. Because there would be no change of heart. There would be no change. There would be no transformation. There would be no altering of, of mentality or behavior. There would be no truth. But the wisdom from above that would bring us to that thing that wasn't necessarily peaceful but was actually peaceable has the power and the authority to bring a situation into existence where there's real peace with no compromise. So I don't want us to think of peaceable as peaceful. I want us to think as peaceable as creating the possibility for peace to exist. When God gives us direction, when he gives us a, a counsel, when he gives us a wisdom from above, it will be peaceable. Now, there's a lot of people that I've met pastorally as I've spoken to them about things in their life. They've made their decisions based on whether or not they had peace. If I would have made that decision to confess that thing I had done wrong based on whether or not I had peace, I would have never done it. I didn't have any peace about that. It was going to be hard, it was going to be difficult, it was going to be embarrassing, it was going to start a conflict, it was, going to be, it, was, it was not a good situation. But if I can base that based on whether or not that had the ability to bring peace in the end, then I can be directed by the Holy Spirit. So I don't think that we ought to be looking for the direction that God calls and the instruction that he brings and the counsel that he gives to be peaceful or not, but what we ought to do is look at it to see if it's able to bring peace. Because much of the direction that God would call us to is going to challenge us. Look throughout the scripture at the people that he would uproot from their homeland and send to a strange place. That's not peaceful. Really and truly, that's terrifying. But it's peaceable that in the end it will bring about the prosperity and the place where there's freedom, where there's harmony, where there's no strife and commotion. That's the end result. So peace is something that God is leading us toward. No matter what, as he's directing us, as he's leading us, as he's guiding us, he's leading us toward peace. And here's a couple of reasons why. One, because God is the God of peace. I want to give you a couple of passages of scripture. We'll move quickly through these. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. It goes on to talk about this sanctification, excuse me, taking place in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. That we would be preserved complete and without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The first words in that passage of scripture, now may the God of peace, are the words that I think need to stand out to us this morning. Of is a possessive word. Some of you have heard this before in the messages that we've uh, walked through together. I mean, you could say that that Bible is Preston's Bible, or you could say that's the Bible of Preston. God is identified as the God of peace because he possesses peace. He's literally the source of peace. There's no peace outside of him. Any promise of peace outside of God is a false promise. It's an empty promise. It's a compromise. God is the God of peace. It's the reason why all of his wisdom that comes into our lives to direct us, no matter what we're needing direction for, is going to be able to make peace exist. It's going to enable peace or be peaceable. 
Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 speak of, of Jesus. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And then I love the line that follows this identity, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. The more Jesus increases in my life, the more peace. Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 speaks of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things that the Holy Spirit is producing. I mentioned before we're going to find out what God's covenant is. If you're taking notes, you can write down Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. Isaiah 54, verse 10, God's covenant. It reads like this. The mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will never be shaken. I mean, the reason why God's wisdom is peaceable or able to make peace possible in every situation or circumstance where we're seeking his wisdom is because he has equipped us to introduce his covenant into every situation and every circumstance. Peace is at the foundation of the kingdom of God. Romans 14, chapter, or chapter 14, verse 7, excuse me, says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. God's wisdom and direction will be pure, then peaceable, able to make peace come into existence because God is equipping us to insert his kingdom into every situation and every circumstance where we are in need of direction and counsel. We can't be righteous without peace. That's another reason why God has called us to, to receive his wisdom and counsel which makes peace possible or is peaceable. Because without peace, it's going to be very difficult for us to walk in righteousness. I'll give you a passage of scripture, James chapter 3 verse 18. James chapter 3, verse 18, the seed whose fruit is righteousness, that means words, actions, whatever, that produce righteousness, the seed whose fruit is righteousness will be sown in peace by those who make peace. As we seek God for direction, the wisdom that he gives us is going to be peaceable. It's always going to make a way for peace to exist. And there's something about peace that I want to talk about. I think it's important for us to see this because in my world, I, I, though I, I work very hard and I can dig holes and ditches and shovel rock, there are things and times where I find that I'm a bit on the lazy side, right? And you find these things from time to time. Nobody amen that. You should have. But you can find yourself on the lazy side, you know, where where you have to re realize that, that things that God's called us to don't happen by accident. I mean, a, a good way to, to look at this is, I mean, raising my sons. If, if, I, if I'm not intentional about that, there's a lot of things that cannot go right. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. Marriage, without being intentional in marriage, it can begin to crumble and fall apart. I mean, a, a business, if you started a business and then you began to kind of walk away, eh, it'll take care of itself. You'll probably go back and check on it later and it's in shambles. And I mean, every aspect of our life, everything that God's called us to put our hand to, he's called us to be intentional about putting our hand to it. And peace is no different. Peace is not accidental. I mean, peace is never accidental. I've never been in the midst of a conflict 
and then had everything work out perfect and walk away and be like, well, that just all kind of fell into place, didn't it? But intentional words and intentional actions, intentional devotion to the other person on the other end of the conflict, being intentional is what makes peace a possibility. So when God's giving us wisdom, when he's giving us direction, when he's making peace possible, or he's bringing what is peaceable into our lives, it's always going to put us in the position of being intentional. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture. I mentioned before we're going to find out what's necessary in order to see God Well, you'll find it in this passage of Scripture right here. You can write it down for your notes. I'd like for you to see it with your eyes if you can turn there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says this, Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. I mean, no one is pretty absolute, right? There's no exceptions. It's not saying, you know, without this, the unbeliever will never see the Lord. And it's not exclusive to Christians. Without this, Christians won't see the Lord. It's just all people. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Well, the first thing that I want us to emphasize is the word pursue. Have you ever pursued anything in your life by accident? No, it's intentional. It's intentional. I remember the days of courtship before my wife and I were married. They were few. We didn't court very long, but it was a pursuit. Man, it was intentional. Today, if I were to do it, it it would probably fall in the category of like stalking, you know, or you could get a, you show up at someone's work with like a soda pop and a teddy bear. You're like, hi, (laughs) hi. I mean, it's a little weird, right? If I did it to anyone here, you'd call the cops. You'd be like, this guy keeps driving past my house and just staring at my door, wondering if I'm home. It's weird. It was a pursuit, though. And it was, it was extremely intentional. I mean, it wasn't just like, oh, man, I was driving past your work, and I had this teddy bear and just thought I would, you know. Yeah, you can add it to the pile over there if you want because, uh, you know. The reason for that, I think I could get three for a dollar in a store or something like that. I didn't have any money, so it was like I can take her something every day for three days, you know. So, but pursuit, I mean, that's the first word. The alarm should go off. The bell should go off. We should underline and circle and realize that, that peace with all men is going to be a pursuit. I'm not going to just, you know, hey, I gave my life to Jesus, and now all of my problems are gone. And I just got peace with all men. But rather, I've given my life to Jesus, and now I'm equipped to finally pursue peace in any situation. You can drop me into any problem, any circumstance, any situation, trial, tribulation, and I have all that it takes to bring peace to that situation. I carry it because I carry Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. But it's going to be a pursuit. It's going to require seeking after that wisdom from above that makes peace possible. And my words and my actions, bringing that wisdom from above into existence will be what makes peace exist. You'll see the word pursue again in Romans 14, verse 19. It says this, pursue the things which make for peace. Do you see the word pursue there? Yeah, pursue it. Won't happen by accident. Pursue the things that make for peace and building up one another. 
Now, this isn't the word pursue, but it kind of is. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 through 12. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend their prayer. Man, that's a passage of Scripture that should have some oomph behind it when we hear it. Did you hear the promise attached to that? To be the one that pursues peace, to be the one that seeks after peace, have the, have the, will, will position us to have God's eyes toward us, to have his ears attentive to our prayer, seeking peace, pursuing it, that wisdom from above that makes peace possible to exist. And then I want to give you a passage of scripture out of the Psalms, Psalm 34, verse 14. I mean, if, I, if I'm wondering, what do I do to seek peace? I mean, it sounds good. If I cracked open a fortune cookie and it said, this week you shall seek peace, I would be like, hey, that's a good one. You know, I'd probably cram the fortune cookie in my face. But what would it mean to seek peace? Well, I think you kind of get a little direction here when you look in the Psalms. So Psalm, uh, it's Psalm 34, verse 14. I think it has a little bit of, of cause and effect, a step one, and, and here's the result. I mean, here's how it reads, depart from evil... And do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I think there's a little bit of instruction there. A little bit of outline. I mean, you guys should know because I'm the pastor of the church that I've never had a fight with my wife, right? You know that. You, don't you know that? We've never had a single dispute or conflict or argument. But let's just say that we, we did. Let's imagine that maybe we had a, a conflict. You know, we weren't seeing eye to eye on something and, and it had created this, this point of conflict. Well, the first thing that I've got to do before I can ever pursue peace or seek it is I've got to stop being evil. I've got to quit being, I've got to quit being mean, quit being a jerk, quit being passive aggressive, quit being sarcastic. You guys are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. But when we are put in the position of conflict, before there can ever be peace, we first got to stop making hell. And oftentimes we get into conflict and we just want God to bring peace. Jesus, bring peace now! Well, he's like, well, you could pursue it if you'd quit being an animal, you know. First of all, we got to stop being jerks to each other. Then we got to do good. Right? Step one, quit being a jerk. Step two, start being kind. I can get a lot further in bringing peace to that situation with kindness than I could ever get with aggression, whether I'm right or wrong. Step one, quit being mean. Step two, start being kind. That is how we seek peace and pursue it. I think that's an instruction. It's an opinion of mine. And you know, the peace that, that we have available to us is, is so powerful. I mean, I want you to think for a moment about the power of God. You know, imagine him speaking into nothing and the universe just expanding. And then him taking dirt and dust and forming man and bringing, breathing life into him. And all this, I mean, this is powerful stuff. And then you have the miracles that we have recorded, you know, the deliverance and these things that, that are just so incredible. They're such marvelous displays of God's power. The earth splitting in two, seas splitting apart. You have people being raised up from the dead. Incredible displays of power. 
But when God talks about victory in our lives over all corruption and over all evil, over all lying and cheating and stealing and murdering and immorality, over everything that is satanic, he talks about peace. I want to give you a passage of scripture, and it should inform us of the power of peace. It should lead us and direct us to the importance of making peace possible as we're seeking wisdom from above and it being peaceable. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. Romans 16, verse 20. Now, the the verse prior to this in 19 is an instruction for us to be innocent of what's evil, to be very wise in what's good. And then you get to verse 20, and it gives the result of this, and it says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace, the God who is the source of all peace, remember, of is a possessive word, will crush Satan, not under his feet, Not by his mighty right arm, but under your feet. That wisdom from above that makes peace possible, that wisdom from above that is peaceable, positions us to overcome and defeat the devil in any situation where there's conflict, trial, hardship, obstacle, because the God of peace will crush Satan under our feet as he makes peace possible through our words, through our actions, through our decisions, all by providing his wisdom from above. I want to look at a few things that God's removing from my life and removing from your life in order for us to have this peace exist, in order for us to be peaceable. We only have a few of these, and we're going to look at them quickly, but if you're wondering why God is at work in your life, there's some stuff that he's getting out of us so that we can be peaceable, so that we can function and operate with wisdom from above and make peace a possibility. So here's one thing God's getting out of your life. Here's one thing God's getting out of my life. And I told you before I had a situation that I had to go and and confess something I'd done that was wrong, right? Nobody likes to talk about that, but I, I did. I had to. And it's because God's getting wickedness out of my life. He's getting wickedness out of your life. Well, I'm not wicked. He's getting wickedness out of your life because wickedness is an obstacle for peace. The peace that that positions us to have Satan crushed beneath our feet. Wickedness is a hindrance to peace. I'll give you a few passages of scripture. Isaiah 48 verse 22. Isaiah 48 verse 22. Are you ready for this? There's no peace for the wicked. Well, now I know why God wants wickedness out of my life. I mean, listen, I'm bought by the blood. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What does God care if I do that one little thing? What if I don't go make it right? It's no big deal. Still going to heaven. But that wickedness present in my heart will spread like a disease and it will hinder the peace that's necessary for me to walk in his victory. It's got to go. Psalm 119, verse 165. Those who love your word have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. I mean, loving God's word means doing God's word. I'll give you another one out of Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, that's a fancy way of saying when a man's not wicked, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. What a wonderful promise. Another thing God's getting out of my life so that peace can exist that peace that has the power to to crush Satan beneath my feet, is anxiety. There's a reason why God is getting anxiety out of my life. Now, I've got good news and bad news for you. Are you ready? 
I mean, dial in. I know we're, it's, it's almost time for kickoff, right? Football starting for all you. We've got one person interested in that. <laughs> dial in, please. Yeah, okay, we've got a couple over here. Good news and bad news is it concerns anxiety being removed from your life. The good news is, is God is removing anxiety from your life. I mean, that should get like, yay, I'm happy about that, okay? Uh, here's the bad news. The way that God does that is he puts you in some really tight spots, and then he delivers you from them. So that when you're in tight spots later on, they don't bother you. You know he's done it before, he'll do it again. He's done it before, he'll do it again. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds. What that tells me is anxiety is a hindrance to peace. Be anxious for nothing, then the peace of God, that peace that has the power to crush Satan beneath your feet, will exist and thrive in your heart and in your mind. Another thing God is getting out of my life in order for peace to be present is confusion. Well, what was my point? I'm just joking. Confusion. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Did you hear that? I mean, I want to say that again because normally you would be dealing with opposites, right? I mean, let's just think about that for a second. If I were to say God is not a God of darkness, but he's a God of... Yeah, right? So what's funny here is we're seeing that, that confusion does not necessarily mean that we need to have direction or instruction. It just means we need to have peace in order to combat it. Peace. Because that peace comes from God's direction. It comes from his instruction. God's not a God of confusion, but of peace. And where there's confusion in my life, there's going to be a hindrance to peace. So God is purging my life of confusion. You're looking right here at God's method of getting confusion out of your life. He wrote it all down. If we don't read it, if we don't study it, if we're not in it, if it's not the foundation of our thoughts, our actions, our convictions, get ready for confusion. Now, this one's one you're all going to hate, right? So, so don't boo, don't hiss, and don't throw things. But here's one that God's getting out of our life because it's a hindrance to peace. <clears throat> Revenge. I'm going to get you sucker. Does not exist in the life of the believer. But it burns in us at times. When people wrong us, when they slander us, when they hurt us, when they wound us, when they afflict us, we want to respond with equal or greater force. But it's a hindrance to peace. It, 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 would, it would be a, a devastating thing, a detrimental thing for us to give in to revenge. I mean, I could sit and talk about revenge a lot, and we should, and we will, just not today. But revenge is something that God's getting out of our lives in order for peace to exist. The peace that has the power to crush Satan beneath your feet. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18. Here's how it reads. Are you ready? Never. I mean, never, right? That's a powerful word. Never. It's absolute. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Another absolute. So, you know, trying to talk God into, you know, you don't really know that jerk. I mean, I understand that we really shouldn't do this generally speaking, but if you knew what that guy did to me, 
I think you'd give me a pass on this one. Never, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. And then now here's the next sentence in that passage. If possible, so far as it depends on you. That means as much as you can, as long as you're capable, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. If I'm vindictive, it's going to hinder my ability to be at peace. It's going to equip me to be at war. But God's called us to never pay back evil for evil. And as far as it concerns us, be at peace. Another thing that God is getting out of my life, I'm going to have to explain this one a little bit, is chaos. Let me just give you the explanation because chaos is one way to just put it in one word. Really the lack of boundaries. The lack of boundaries. God is getting that kind of, of, of lawlessness out of my life for the purpose of peace existing. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture here. One of them I want you to read between the lines a little bit and then the second one is going to be pretty clear. Isaiah 60 verse 18 is speaking of a nation. Violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Those walls and those gates are what lock out all of the frustration, all of the anger, all of the turmoil, and what make a way for there to be a freedom from those things. Psalm 147 verse 14 says it in a more simple way. Psalm 147 verse 14, God makes peace within your borders. He makes peace within your borders. So God's purging my life of wickedness and anxiety and confusion and revenge and chaos so that I can be a man of peace. So that I can make peace possible with every instruction that he brings into my life. Through my words and my actions, I am a peaceable man. As I respond to his call, as I respond to his counsel, as I respond to his direction, my words and my actions are making peace a possibility into any situation or any circumstance. And here's the wonderful result of that. I mentioned before we're going to find out how to be a child of God. I want to close with this. If you are taking notes, I want to encourage you to write it down. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It comes from a passage of Scripture, a, a, a series of, of teachings that we call the, the Beatitudes because of where you know, Jesus taught these things on the mountain and what all they contain. It's a historical uh, 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 wonderful and marvelous recording of the messages of Jesus Christ, the Beatitudes. You can read the whole thing there, but I want to pull one out for the purpose of us closing the message today. And Jesus is revealing the blessing that comes with living a lifestyle, a lifestyle of making peace. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Once again, the peacemakers, the ones that make peace a possibility, the ones that make it possible or able for peace to exist. That's me and that's you. And the reason why that's me and that's you is because we have access to the wisdom from above that will always be peaceable. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do something specific for us.
I want there to be an awareness of what it means to make peace. I think oftentimes we, we stand in the midst of conflict and trial and we wish for peace. Just desiring that conflict disappear and peace come in. But I want there to be a change in my life and in your life to realize that God's instruction will equip us and direct us to make peace in situations, circumstance, trial, hardship. And this work will take place in two areas of our life. It will take place in our mind. It will take place in our heart. But it will be revealed through our entire existence. It will be revealed through all of our actions. It will be revealed through our words. It will be revealed a big time in our thoughts. But I want to ask for that work to take place in all of us. That we no longer for look for God, we look for God in, in, in the things that are just simply peaceful, but we understand that God's present even in the midst of total turmoil. And the solution for the problem lies within us. Because we're His children. And because we're His children, based on what Jesus would preach and His words are true, we're peacemakers. There where you stand, I want to pray and I want to ask God to do a work in each of us. And you're welcome to be in agreement. You're welcome to just simply be in a state of receiving. But it's my heart's desire that we have the courage and the strength to respond to God's instruction and make peace in every situation. Father, I bless your name and thank you for your word and your counsel. We rejoice that when we lack wisdom, we can come to you and we can ask you. We can seek direction. I ask for a change and a transformation in every one of our hearts and our minds. Let there be a renewal in our mind and a softening in our heart to receive your counsel and direction, to have understanding that would lead us to to function and operate in the full knowledge of your word, to live lives of wisdom. Let us understand that you've called us to make peace and that your wisdom and your counsel will always be peaceable. It will always equip us to bring peace into existence. Let our lives be purged from the wickedness and the revenge and the chaos and all of those things that would hinder us from walking in peace, from making peace with our words and our actions. And let us be a people who would seek after your counsel, hear your word clearly, and bring your direction into existence through our words and our actions. Let us fulfill the instruction in your word to stop doing what's evil, to start doing what's good, and to live out lives that pursue peace. And let that peace be not as the world gives, free from all compromise, but let it be because of the transformation that takes place in the hearts of men and women. That selfishness would cease, that fear and anxiety would have no place, but that we would stand in the purity of light and that we would make peace with our words and our actions, and that we would be identified in this world as your children. We bless your name, and we thank you for the wisdom that you provide. And we ask that that wisdom would continue to flow in our lives in every aspect of who we are. We bless your name, and we give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.